Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. This is your brother Mikhail Ahmed Smith here from Qalam. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures that we will always be able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of lis- listeners, so the support you give to this community in this effort brings immense reward. You never know who will benefit from your donation. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salam. Ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. MashaAllah, on point. Jazakallah khair, man. Your mom made it or you? Oh, MashaAllah. The whole family's getting the barakah, mashaAllah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this gathering uh, one of learning and benefit, inshaAllah, where our hearts are enlightened by what we learn about the Prophet, وسلم, what we learn about the deen, inshaAllah, and this, this, this uh, halaqa or class be a means by which we just get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshaAllah ta'ala. So, with that said, Bismillah, we continue with our study of Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi's uh, Jawab al Kathi. Um, in our last few sessions, um, we're actually out of, uh, this is our 15th session. Uh, this is our 15th session since we started some time back. Uh, and for those who don't know, we're actually at a very interesting point in the book. Um, so this book that we're studying, um, at the beginning of the book, what happened is someone wrote a question to Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, and he was asking him that, what does a person do who's stuck in a sin? What does a person do who's stuck in this sin? They know it's going to destroy them. They know how harmful it is for them. They know everything about this sin, but no matter what, they can't get out of it. They can't get out of it. They can't drop that sin. What do they do? So Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, over the last 14 sessions that we've been going through this book, he's been explaining the effect of ma'asi or sin. He's been explaining how that has repercussions on, on ourselves in this dunya and, of course, in the hereafter. And then he was going into um, how to actually protect, telling the, teaching the person how to actually uh, protect themselves. So the last thing that we were discussing was he started to mention some of the major sins. He started to mention some of the major sins, which were... Anybody? So, so the last one he talked about was zina, fornication, murder, shirk. Zulm, oppression, associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He started to mention all of these major sins, right? And then he gets to zina, right? Fornication. And all of a sudden he takes this turn and he starts to talk about four things that you have to protect so that you don't fall into zina, right? And those four things that you have to protect are, he said, what you allow yourself to see, what you allow yourself to think about, what you allow yourself to say, and what you, where you allow yourself to go, right? Now, after saying that, after mentioning those things, um, he says something very interesting. He, in the next section after that, he starts to talk about the effects of zina, and he talks about many hadith that talk about ashrat uh, sa'a, right? Some of the signs of yawm al-qiyamah. And one of the signs of yawm al-qiyamah, Rasul said that there will be kathra to zina, a lot of fornication. And obviously, we live in a time where, you know, swipe right, right? 
literally. Like, we live in a time when it's just literally swipe right. It's like, let's hook up. We live in a hookup time where that has become something that's very uh, uh, normal. Normal, very normal. You, anything on Netflix is hooking up is nothing. It's not a big deal, right? So he talks extensively about the effects of, of zina for the next, like, two or three chapters, right? But then something interesting happens. He says, and now we're moving forward. Uh, we're in the uh, 77th chapter. And he says, after mentioning zina and after talking about homosexuality extensively, he says, He says, now what if somebody asked the question, is there a cure for this sickness? Like, because this person is addicted to, to, to this sin. And he looks at it as like a disease. So he's like, is there a cure? Is there like a, 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 a remedy, a ruqya, a remedy for this like magic done on this person? Like, what's the plan? How does this person get out of this sin? He's like, tell the person the way to get out. Tawfiq, right? Look, he says, is it possible for a person, sukran, you know what sukran means? Inebriated or, or intoxicated. He says, is it possible for the person who's intoxicated, sukran, intoxicated with the khamar of, of attachment, hawa, or love? An yafiq? Is it possible for this person to, to, to uh, what's the opposite, to become sober? So he says, Can the one who's deeply in love with some, something, can someone who is ashik, which means extremely infatuated with, some, with something or someone, can that person ever gain control over their heart again? When the, when the infatuation has reached the core, the, the inner depth of this person, can the tabib find a way to take this love out? Now after saying all this, guess what he says? He says, I think this is the question that the first person was asking me at the beginning of the book. Meaning, after these 15 sessions, we never knew what the problem was of the person who wrote the question. We never knew. We just knew the guy was what? Caught up in a? But we never knew what it was. And here we are 15 sessions later. He's talking about someone who's infatuated with someone. Their heart has just become uh, 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 deeply in love with someone, beyond love. And, and he says, is there, and he, and the way he describes it as a, a, a sukran like inebriated with love. He, and then uh, uh, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah, he goes, I think this is the question you were asking me about from the beginning of the book, right? At the beginning, when you asked me the question. And he says, I think this is the sickness you were asking the cure for. So what we learn from that is that the, the whole point of the, the book he was writing was to teach someone how to break the attachment or a false love that they have for someone that was leading to some type of relationship. That's what he says here. So he says, now, the person asks a question, is there a cure? He says, Qila naam, al-jawab min ra's. 
He says, the first thing I'm going to say from the top of my head is, The Prophet said in a hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never sent down any disease or sickness to this world except He sent the cure with it. The people who learn it, they know the cure, the those who don't, don't. Listen closely, everyone. Because this is a, this is real, yo. Like we really, a lot of people struggle with this. A lot of people struggle with this one. This is not an easy one to get over. When, when that love is built for someone and it just grows and grows and grows. The Rasul said, once you fall in love with something, it blinds you and makes you deaf. You can't hear no one anymore. You can't hear anything. So he says, when we speak about the cure for the disease of a when we speak about the cure for the heart becoming attached to a, a deep lust or desire, he says there's two ways we're going to cure it. Write this down. This is heavy stuff, yo. Two ways we're going to cure it. Number one, ahadihima. He says, first thing first, we're going to cut the source of it before the love grows. Cut the source. So he's thinking, he's talking preventive medicine right now. He's going, we're going to cut off the source before the love grows. With Thani, the second thing we're going to do, we're going to learn how to pull it out after the love has already set in. And then he says, He says, and both of these are easy for the one who Allah makes it easy. Like whoever Allah does not help, anaya. Well, Allah doesn't help, it was hard to get out of this. When the heart becomes attached, you know what's interesting about Buddhism, right? You know what Buddhists say about attachment? That the source of all suffering is attachment. Like anything you get attached to will be the cause of your suffering. And literally, this is what this is about right here. Those false attachments, they become the source of your torment and your adab. And that's literally what Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi is talking about. And people are like, yo, Buddhism is deep, yo. They're like, yo, attachment is the source of suffering, yo. <laughs> right? It's like... Yo, we got that in our deen, right? We got that right here. So listen to what he says. It's beautiful. He says, um, now as for the first one, He says, as for uh, the, the, the first preventative medicine to stop it from ever coming up in your heart, number one, and I know this will sound repetitive, but there are some new faces. He says, Ahaduhuma. There are two, Amaran, two. I know we're going two, then one, then two, right? So there are two ways for preventing this. The first one is what? Ghadul Basr, Kamataqaddam. Lowering the gaze, as was mentioned before. He says, because your gaze is an arrow, a poisoned arrow from the quiver of Iblis. That's a hadith. The, the hadith the Prophet ﷺ said is the things that you look at that are not halal are like an arrow from the quiver of Iblis, but it's a poisoned arrow. 
He says, وَمَنْ أَطْلَقَ لَحْظَاتَهُ Whoever just lets their gaze roam, look at everything. He says, دَامَتْ hasarat, دَامَتْ hasarat." And he said, for the one who lowers their gaze, there are many benefits. Right now, he's about to drop on us. He's about to drop 10 benefits of lowering the gaze. Take them, they're beautiful. He says, the first benefit of lowering your gaze is that, number one, The first benefit of lowering your gaze is that it is You are obeying the command of Allah, which is the height of felicitousness. The height of being, being successful, sa'ada, is that you are of those people who obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says the very, very first benefit, manafi' of lowering the gaze, is you become of those people who have uh, obeyed the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, أَنَّهُ يَمْنَعُ مِنْ وُسُولِ أَثْرِ السَّحْمِ الْمَسْمُومِ إِلَىٰ قَلْبِهِ He says the second is the one who lowers their gaze, it's, it, it prevents that poisoned arrow from hitting their heart. Number two. We'll come back to this one too. He goes a little more depth in this one. Number three. Annahu, lowering the gaze. Yurithu al-qalb unsan billah. Wa jam'iyati alayh. basar al-qalb wa He's like, when you lower your gaze, you get a, a, a familiarity with Allah. Unsiya. You feel closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, the one who lets their gaze look at everything, your heart is scattered. Your heart is scattered. Your mind is scattered. It's all, it's all over the place. You shatta is like here and there. Your mind's not at one place. It's all over the place. And he says, there's nothing more harmful than just letting your, your, your gaze just go wherever it goes. Number four, he says, lowering the gaze, He says, lowering your gaze gives you a stronger heart. Now, now you may be like, what do you mean a stronger heart? I'm going to come back to this because he's going to talk about what the strength of the heart does for you. So he says, lowering the gaze allows you to strengthen your heart. And you can feel it. Like when you actually lower your gaze on something, you feel like, yeah, I just conquered that. My heart is stronger from that, that little test right there. It got me stronger. Number, number five, this is beautiful. Listen to this one, it's, it's kind of deep though, bear with me. He goes, yo, annahu, he says, when you lower the gaze, yalbisul qalb nura. A light is, is covered, covers the heart. Listen closely. Yalbisul qalb nur. a light comes on the heart. Kama anna itlaquhu yalbisu. just the way when you let it look at everything, a darkness comes on the heart. Now listen. This is why when Allah mentioned the ayah to Nur, He mentioned it right after. The verse, Allahu Nur Samawati Wal Ab, comes right after. Say to the believers, lower your gaze. Say to the believing women, lower your gaze. The verse right after that is Allahu Nur Samawat. He's saying the reason. Is because he says the reason is because I مثلا في نوره نوره قلب قلب عبده المؤمن الذي امتثال أوامر وإشنا ما هو وإذا استنار القلب 
He says, when your heart is filled with this light, what you will see is aqbala wufud al-khayrat. All of these good things will start to come to your heart when that nur hits your heart. Min kulli nahiya, from every direction. Kama annahu, just like the opposite is true. When you allow yourself to look at everything and that darkness comes, you see when, when you have that darkness in the heart, it pulls darkness from everywhere. Then he says, going forward, he says, oh yes, next one. Number six. أَنَّهُ يُورِثُ فِرَاسَ الصَّادِقَ يُمَيِّزُ بِهَا بَيْنَ الْحَقِّ وَالْبَاطِنِ Okay, there's a new word I got to teach you today. The word is called فِرَاسَ فِرَاسَ Alright, write this word down. I'm going to explain it to you. In one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, اِتَّقِي Be careful of the فَرَاسَ of a mu'min. Now فَرَاسَ means this type of deep insight when you look at something. Farasa, I'll give you an example before I go forward. One day, Umar, uh, Uthman bin Affan was having a gathering, right? He was chilling, he was about to teach, and one of the students came in and sat down. I think I shared this with you before. So when the student sat down, he looked at him in the face, right? He looked at him in the eyes. And he said, after he looked at him, he looked at everyone, he says, why do some people come to our gatherings and their eyes are filled with sin? They should do toba before they come. What did he see? I don't know what he saw, but he saw something. And the Prophet ﷺ called that ability to see deeply into people. You know, like your grandma. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like sometimes your grandma be like, "You okay, boy?" Like, um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we used to have teachers where we walk in the room and you feel like they're looking through you, like through me, straight up. Like that deep perception. Mom does it sometimes too. Like it's hard to hide anything from mom. So the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is, fear, ittaqi, fear the firasa of the mu'min, because the mu'min looks with the nur of Allah. فَإِنَّهُ يَنْذُرُ بِنُورِ اللَّهِ When he looks, he looks with the nur of Allah, the light of Allah. So he sees things others don't see. So now that you, everyone understand this word firasa, just think of your grandma, alright? That's it, like you got the word now. Firasa, right? So look what he says now. Now that you know that word, look at this. He says, the sixth, we're on number six, right? The sixth effect of lowering the gaze is that it, it, it gives you the ability to have a true firasa which can distinguish between haq and batil, good and wrong, truth and falsehood. It gives you that good firasa. And he says, this is really profound. Listen closely. He says, Wallahu subhana yujizil abd ala amalihi kama huwa min jinsi amalihi. There's a rule in Sharia and in like Islamic literature that al jaza min jinsil amal. That the reward is always from the type of the action. What, what do I mean by that? Um, the reward for consuming riba. The reward, meaning the sin. Reward doesn't mean good. The sin, the, rope, the punishment. Or I'll give a better one. When Prophet ﷺ was taken for Isma, Isra and Mi'raj, he saw some people being punished, right? And, and there's a very, very detailed hadith, a bit gruesome hadith detailed. And there's one about a person who's being cut from here to here. Do you remember the sin of that person? Kidab, right? The person was a liar. 
right? If I, re if I recall correctly. Another was a person who consumed riba, and that person was swimming in this river of blood, and every time he would get to the shore, someone would throw a rock into his mouth. But what you notice is that the punishment always corresponds to the action. Same way with reward, too, though. Same way with reward. I'll give you a good example, a, good, a nice, cheesy example. This is all getting too gruesome, right? Okay, a good example. The Prophet said the people who go to Fajr in the darkness will have perfect light on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Do you get it? The reward is always like the action. Whether it be good, whether it be bad. Everyone understand the rule. Now look what he says. Why is the believer, when they lower their gaze, given farasa? Listen to what he says. He says, because Allah always rewards in accordance to how the action was done. وَمَنْ تَرَكَ شَيْئًا Perhaps this is for you. Listen closely. مَنْ تَرَكَ شَيْئًا أَوَّذَهُ اللَّهُ خَيْرًا مِنْهُ Whoever leaves something for Allah, Allah will give you something like it but better. Whoever leaves something for Allah, Allah will give you something like it but better. So, فَإِذَا غَدَّ بَصَرَهُ When the person basara, lowers the basara from maharim, What's the reward for that? Awadahullah binuri basiratihi. Do you remember I taught you guys about basar and basira? Okay. A lot of new faces. So basar, do you remember Nashad? Basar and basira? I got you, bro. Because you, you, your dad hooked up the tea, yo. Okay, listen. We have basar. Basar is the eyesight in Arabic, right? Basar, you see sur. Basar, you see sur, you see forms, you see physical things, right? But then we learn about something called basira. Allah says, it's not that the eyes are blind, that their hearts are blind. The sight of the heart is called basira. And basira doesn't look at form, it looks deep. Basira looks beyond form. Form is nothing for basira. The basar, eyesight looks at forms. Wow, beautiful. Basira looks deeper. Yeah, there's something deeper going on there that's not so beautiful. But that's called basira. Two types of sight, right? So now look what he says. When you lowered the basar for the sake of Allah, what does Allah raise up for you? The basira. Allah opens the basira. So you begin to see things correctly through the heart. You lower the basar, Allah lifts up and opens your basira, you begin to see things the way they are. Al-jaza min jinsil amal. The reward is always just about what you gave up. That's why they say nothing is ever lost. Man taraka shay'an like you never lose what you gave up for Allah. Because he always, he always gives, he never takes. Tweet that, whatever. Allah never takes, he always gives. So even when it seems as if there's something you're giving up, you're actually in reality gaining something through that. So it's beautiful. He says, Allah enlightens his basira, which is his heart's sight, as a reward for holding back the basir for Allah. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Subhanallah.
And then now he goes forward, though. He goes, he opens the doors of knowledge and faith and understanding and farasa, true farasa. You guys know that word by now, right? Farasa, right? That grandma, right? <laughs> Let's see. He said that the farasa comes from the basira of the qalb. Your grandma can see through you because her heart is clean. So she sees through all that. She sees straight through you because the heart is clean. Now listen to this though. What's the opposite of this? When Allah described Qawmi Lut, now we all know what Qawmi Lut is about, right? Alright, so when Allah described Qawmi Lut, Allah says about them, He used the word Amiha. Amiha is different from Amiya. In Arabic, what does Amiyun mean? Blind. Blind. Amiya. Ain, Mim, Ya. Means to be blind. Amiya means to be blind. The word in the Quran describing the Qawmi uh, Lut is a word Amiha. And Amiha means to be perplexed, confused, and the dictionary says unable to see the correct course. The word Amiha means what? Unable to see the correct way to go. So what does Allah say about Qawmi Lut? La'amaruka innahum lafi sakratihim ya'mahun. Allah says, an oath by you, indeed, these people, fi sakratihim, are in sakra, means intoxication, ya'mahun, unable to see the path. What he's trying to say here is, fawasifahum bisakra. He Allah describes them with number one having this intoxication, which is the opposite of aqal, intelligence. He says, Sukra, to be intoxicated, is the facade of the aqal, facade or corruption of the mind. Wal'amha, that word I just explained, ain mimha, which means to not see the way, is fasadul basira. All he's trying to explain to us really deeply is that when Allah described qawmi lut, who let their desires completely control, the description given to them is it to be inebriated with passion and to not be able to have no basira, not be able to see the right path. That was the effect of the, uh, of the just blind following of the desire. Now, he says something that's really heavy here, but we're going to talk about this in the upcoming weeks, but it's just kind of an introduction to it. He says, I want everyone to listen closely to this. He says, فَتَعَلَّقْ بِالسُّورِ your over-attachment with physical form, physical beauty, sur means forms, physical. Your over-attachment with the physical beauty and forms of things, fasadul aql, leads to the corruption of your mind. I think this is a very profound statement because we, 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 we are at a time where all we care about is the physical form, physical form, like yo, my six pack, my, you know, my pipes, you know, my form form, like literally. And what he says is, 
one of the signs of a society basically going in the wrong direction is their over-caring and ta'alluq connection with just physical forms. Suwar, not basira, nothing deep. It's only physical forms. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later on because that, that's something that leads to this infatuation. The physical form just got us twisted, right? Instagram, yo. Straight up. Straight up. Like, what is it? It's just pictures of the form. You can't see her stress. You can't see the reality there. All you see is a form. Allahu alam. So he says, going forward, number seven. Number seven. You remember how I talked about the strength of the heart? Listen to this. He says, the seventh effect of lowering the gaze is When you lower the gaze, it gives your heart firmness. Thabat. Thabat, firmness. Number two, it gives you shuja, bravery. And quwa. And quwa, uh, uh, strength. And what he explains here is that um, it just goes into the, a, a little more depth about how the heart gets strength from that. Um, I want to go forward. There's a, a bit more to cover. So number number eight. Ver, huh? Huh? Number eight. So that was seven right there. The, that was seven. You want it again? Yeah. I got you. You made the tea, man. I got you, bro. Uh, he said. He said it gives the heart firmness, bravery, and strength. Okay, you good? All right. You know, the next one, I want you to patiently listen to this next one um, because Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi has this very profound way of showing you realities on a deeper level. Number eight, he says this. He says, lowering the gaze, yasuddu ala shaytan madkhalihi ila al-qalb. Lowering the gaze, yasuddu, closes the door for shaitan to enter into the heart. فَإِنَّهُ Because shaitan enters into the heart مَعَ النَّذَرَةِ with, with the, with the uh, uh, نَذَرَةِ With the gaze. وَيَنْفُذُ مَعَهَا إِلَى الْقَلْبِ And from the sight straight to the heart. He says, وَيَنْفُذُ مَعَهَا إِلَى الْقَلْبِ أَسْرَعَ it's, it's, it's a quicker connection. مِن نُفُوذِ الْحَوَى إِلَى مَكَانِ الْخَالِ Quicker than air entering into a, a place that was a vacuum. He says it's quicker than that. Shaitan coming in through the gaze. He says, فَيُمَثِّلُ Listen to the psychology behind what happens in the heart. He says, Shaitan يُمَثِّلُ لَهُ سُورَةُ الْمَنْذُورِ Shaitan keeps that picture of the form you just saw on Instagram. He keeps that form in your heart. وَيُزَيِّنَهَا But he makes it look even better. And better, and better. وَيَجَعَلَهَا سَنَمًا And he makes it like an idol in your heart. يَعْكِثُ عَلَيْهِ الْقَلْبِ Your heart is stuck on it. You keep seeing that picture, man. You stopped looking at that yesterday. But you're like, yo, man, I can't come. Yo, man. Ooh, stuck in my head, yo. That's what he's saying. ثُمَّ يَعِدُهُ وَيُمَنِّيهِ Next step. يَعِدُهُ Yeah, you could get it. Yo, DM. Yo, he says, Ya'idu, like he promises you. Yeah, yo, go. Well, you money. 
Give it a shot. Who knows? Right? Subhanallah. Look at this though. He says, and now that fire of desire starts to burn on the heart. Now that desire starts to burn, right? And now the fire starts, but he keeps the fire burning with the sins that you get from that image in your head that you keep playing with. Do you get that analysis? You really have to understand. He says the fire is created by your shahwa, your desire, from that image you saw, that shaitan just kept playing with it in your head. But then he says after that fire is kindled, he has to keep the fire going. You got to put little sticks on it. So he says, how does he keep the fire going? He says he keeps the fire going with that image and the sins that you're getting from keeping playing with that image in your head. Now your heart is just inflamed. Lahab, Abu Lahab, Lahab, it's in fire, it's inflamed. So he says, He says, your heart is now surrounded by fire. From that image you saw on Instagram, quick thing. Now the heart is on fire. It's just like burning up. I got to do something. And he says, Surround it. Your heart is sitting right in the middle of a fire. You know, I, I, so he says, this is why the punishment of the people of Zina, when the Prophet ﷺ was taken for Isra and Mi'raj, he saw people and he saw this big cauldron, like a, a big pot. And, and he said that he saw a fire underneath it. And as the fire would burn, like, you know, you make tea in the fire and the chai comes up. The shai comes up and you turn it off and it comes down. The Prophet kept seeing that happen. But But what was inside that was people. They're completely naked. And inside that they would come up and then the fire would come down and they would come down. And the Prophet was like, Subhanallah, who are these people? And later on, Jibreel was like, those are the people of zina. But look what he's saying. The reason why that's the punishment is because this is the fire they lived in in this world. They put their heart in that fire. So in the hereafter, they are in that fire like that. Do you get what he's saying? It's very profound. But he's teaching you like you almost create this fire around your own heart by that thing that you looked at. I found that so profound when I was uh, studying this for tonight. All right, number nine. Everyone get that one? You sure everyone got that? Okay, number nine. Look, this is perhaps the best, not the best, but this is like really a practical one. Especially with the new year coming, all of y'all made resolutions, everybody got stuff they want to do, the gym is packed. Like, why is the gym so packed right now? You know what I mean? Is it just me or? Never mind. It's packed, right? All right, alhamdulillah. But I was there before, so I'm like, okay. I don't feel like someone who came like right now. Like, you know what I mean? I was there before. Alhamdulillah. Allah give us tawfiq. Allah give us tawfiq. My wife is cracking on me, yo. Okay, back to the point. This one is beautiful. Seriously. He says, number nine, he says, lowering the gaze, al-qalb lil-fikr. It allows your brain to think. 
يفرق. It frees your mind. It frees your mind so that you can think في مصالحه about good things for yourself. وإطلاق البصر ينسيه ذلك. Looking at everything will make you forget about thinking about the benefit of your own soul and things like that. And so that was number nine. Just, just that, that, that feeling after you just keep scrolling of like, I don't even know what to think about right now. I feel kind of confused. That feeling is from that itlaq al-basr. In my mind, honestly, scrolling is itlaq al-basr because I don't know what's coming next. By design, that's the way the algorithm is. I'm not supposed to know what's coming next. That's what keeps me going. But, so, but the itlaq al-basr, the effect of that is he saying that it, it keeps your mind so occupied when you put it down, you just you feel even more tired and, and more things on your mind and not able to think freely about what's better for you. That's what he says here. Last one, number 10. Number 10. He says, listen, أَنَّ بَيْنَ الْعَيْنِ وَالْقَلْبِ مَنْفَذْ وَتَرِيكُ يُوْجِبُ إِنْتِقَالَ أَحَدِهِمَا عَنِ الْآخَرِ He says, listen, understand this. Between your eyes and your heart is a, is a passageway. He ain't speaking biologically here, guys. This is metaphysical. He says, between your eyes and your heart, there's a direct passageway. He says, Whatever is in one is found in the other. When this is good, it directly affects this one. This is good. If this is corrupted and looks at corrupted things, this one is corrupted as well. He says, When, when the heart is messed, eyes are messed up, meaning looking at messed up things, the heart becomes messed up and similar, so on and so forth. So then he says basically from this that you are not allowed to get the marifa of Allah, to know Allah in your heart so long as your eyes are constantly looking at everything and anything and you're not controlling that. So he says now, that's done. MashaAllah, only 38 minutes, we good, yo. فَهَذَا إِشَارَ إِلَى بَعْضِ فَوَائِدْ غَضُ الْبَصَرِ He says these are just a few benefits of controlling that gaze. He says now number two. What are we talking about number two? Somebody look at your notes. What number two? What are you talking about? Huh? Preventative. preventative. No, preventative. Hold on. Hold on. Preventative. Yes, exactly. So preventative, man'at min usul. 